With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on, NBA draft fans, NBA fans, anybody else who may have found their way here uh, welcome to the 2022 No Ceilings NBA Draft Show presented by NBA Top Shot. Uh, my name is Corey Teleba. I will be your host for this pre-show. I am joined by my Draft Act co-host, Albert Gim, and the host of the No Ceilings podcast, Tyler Rucker. Fellas, how are we doing? We're looking fresh. We got our draft fits on. Tyler, how are we feeling? I feel pretty good. You know, um, obviously my, my fit isn't as strong as Paulo Bencaro. Um, but you know, that's, that's why you know, we keep doing these stuff. We try to get to that level someday. Um, I think Albert will look a lot better in that purple suit, but how are we doing boys? I can't believe it's here. It's showtime. I'm getting so excited. I haven't slept 10 minutes today or last I, night. I, I mean, why, why would you sleep? You drink 7,000 cups of coffee. Hey, that, that keep them going. Simple. Keep it coming. You know, Albert, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, it's my birthday today. And so the fact that we're yes. watching the draft together and doing this live telecast on my birthday is literally the best thing ever. I feel amazing. I have my uh, Patrick Ewing jersey on under this sport coat, so I don't exactly know what I'm doing in life. But uh, it's time. <laughs> we're ready to rock, boys. Let's go. The luck of the frozen envelope. Uh, Rucker, you you mentioned Paulo Boncaro's draft fit. Yeah. We're starting to see some draft fits trickle in. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton says that he has a top five dress, draft suit of all time wow. last year. Uh, who is your number one all-time draft fit guy? I, I mean, Hakeem, Elijah Wine. That, that was like literally one of the best outfits of all time. Jalen Rose is up there. I'm going I, I feel Rose. like you, you got to yeah, be the Jalen Rose has to be in the conversation. Um you know what that matrocity that Tyler Hero had that one year. I mean, he could be in the you know a wild card there. But what about you guys? What are you thinking? Uh, well, Jalen Rose for all time tonight. I'm liking Chet suit, classy. Yeah, it looks a little classy. Yeah. You know, um, obviously, I think Paolo is in last place right now. I like Tari's green suit. That was pretty mm-hmm. fly. Albert, anything else catch your eye? I mean, have you guys seen Mark Williams? He's got the nice, <laughs> classy the blue. blue suit on with the gigantic mw chain going on he looks great uh my, looking my like choice a, is mark williams looking like a handsome blue devil <laughs> i mean let's let's keep the bad jokes out for the later the second round please but is it is it just me am i being an old man or or is it the year of the chain i feel like the chain is just really aggressive in. this year everyone had like to as a requirement you had to get a big chain or something but hey you know, you do you guys. Um, Perkins fits a little interesting for everyone watching that in the background. But Tari Eason looks like a leprechaun. I love it. I would probably be rocking the same thing. All right. Uh, we did enough about the fashion of the draft. Uh, <laughs> what I will say, the last time we all sat together, we did a wild card mock draft where we took Paulo Boncaro, number one. 
And this was a, a, a boneheaded idea that I had where I just wanted to see what would happen if we shook some things up. After we did the wild card mock draft, Paulo's line to go number one, he became the favorite at one point. So what I'm saying is, were we the influence on Paulo's draft odds shifting? You know, I, I'm not saying it, Corey, but, you know, people in the streets are saying it. Um, I, I, to be serious, though, I think Vegas knew exactly what they were doing. Um, we all were kind of getting this little crazy rush of, hey, is this is something going on? Like, is Houston trying to trade up to one? What's the deal? And then Woj um, yeah. had to, you know, tip some picks today because he just couldn't resist the urge to let us know that, these were the top three picks at, you know, eight in the morning. So shout out, Woj. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, but, you know, people were saying it, Corey. And, and it's fun with the draft this year, especially. Like, we were all getting in these debates for the last couple of months of, like, well, what if they go this way? What if they go another way? And that that wild card mock draft was great because it really educated a lot of people about, hey, this could happen and, and look at the ripple effect that could take place. But are we there? Are we thinking Jabari's gone? Number one, like let's 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 break it down while we're on the topic, Corey. Come on, let's get I mean, after it. I, I guess so. If if Woj is so confident in it, I mean, I, I guess if you're looking at the wordings of the tweet, right? It just said that was the order, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. It didn't necessarily say that that was the how the team. He didn't mention teams. Where are we at with Woj spoiling this? Who is this fun for? No, that's my question, Corey. I don't understand the motivation behind that. What's the point of us even tuning in? I remember last year, Corey, you and I were at the draft and we literally had to just keep our phone in our pockets because he was ruining the whole experience for us. Now, yes. I, I I just don't get it. Why is that fun? He, t- he When did he tweet that? This morning, right? Like early in the morning or something like that. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm on West Coast time. So that was probably right when I woke up. But I, I just, I don't understand why that's interesting what that's good for i hate it i absolutely hate it rucker where where are we at on this how do we how do we put a stop to this what is espn's business plan here they're they're i mean like us at no ceilings they're trying to do a draft show what is what's the deal yeah i mean it it seems a couple years ago they tried to put like a real stop to it and then Woj and Chams just had this little charade of like wording it differently yeah. so that they He's wouldn't just... get in trouble. And it was like, okay, are, are we a bunch of like teenagers, like in high school? What's going on here? And now Woj is getting the promotion to the big, you know, table. So it's, it's, is he going to be the guy there that's just reporting the trades on time finally? And, and I don't mean to bash ESPN, but we've been the draft maniacs, the passionate fans. We've been waiting months, months and months for this day. And, Keep keep off your phone, Woj, for five minutes, okay? Just yeah, just relax. Screen. Resist the urge. Let let us see what happens um, live on camera with the rest of the world. We don't need it's, your malarkey in this situation. Right. It's gonna be it's rude. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's just rude. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> uh, apparently, the the chat is saying that Woj just said on TV, Paulo's still very much in the mix. Of course he did, because now Fun. he's got to go back to Hilarious. bring it all together. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just talk about fit who's the best fit for the orlando magic we've had all the time in the world to think about chet 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 is the best fit for the first pick in the draft is what i want to say i I think whoever ended up in that first now obviously it is a magic but any team that ended up with that first pick it should be chet holmgren i think chet holmgren has to be the choice but of course that's just me and no one pays me to make these decisions except 
for you guys who pay me um, zero dollars and zero cents right now. But it's cool. I would take Chet all day, every day, eyes closed, doesn't matter. Chet would be my pick. Rucker? You know, forever I thought it was Chet. I still think Chet would have been one of the best fits for any of these teams. But I do think there's an argument for any of these guys to fit with these top three teams. I think that's how special this draft is going to be. I'm excited now for if Jabari is the pick for him to go to Orlando, see what he can become. Because I think he has a lot of skill sets that the Magic really desperately need. Um, If it goes the way we're thinking and, and Bancaro lands with the Houston Rockets, I love that fit for him. So mm-hmm. it's going to be fascinating. I really do think if those guys went in any order, I would like that fit. I could talk myself into it. What about you, Corey? Well, you know, yeah, Corey. you don't have to ask us the questions. Come we on. can throw it right back right. to you. Throw it back to me. What a yeah. host. Let's go. Get after it. Wake up. It's Chet for me. <laughs> Chet is the is uh, my favorite fit on all 30 teams right now. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a special, special player. We wrote about it at noceilingsmba.com, why people are overthinking Chet. Um, I, I think that, you know, and I mean, a lot of people have been writing about him recently. Zach Cram from The Ringer just had a really good yes. uh, breakdown of how his stats kind of historically stack up to a lot of the modern big man and uh, basically making the argument that Chet's floor is more so Miles Turner than like people saying he has a low floor. So for me, it's Chet Holmgren by uh, a pretty wide, wide margin. Uh, I, I, I kind of like, you know, I, I like Jabari there. I think he's a great fit with Franz. I think Jabari's yeah. another guy who's a 30 team, you know, starter where his skill set baseline of just knocking shots down at a high percentage clip, as well as being able to defend, I think one through five, I think his shot blocking is going to pop a little bit more in the NBA because he's not going to be funneling defenders into, you know, a Walker. historically great shot blocker who is averaging mm-hmm. literally almost five blocks a game in college. You know, he's going to, you know, be able to play some small ball five. And I think when he does that, he's going to be able to show his rim protection. Um, but I think what we all want to know, because the draft is not all that interesting at, at one through three right now, if it goes chalk, we want to mm-hmm. know. Number four, what is happening? Are the Kings just going to make the pick? Are they trading it? What are our predictions? Rucker, what do you think is going to happen here? I think it's going to be Keegan, boys and girls. And you can wow. call me out if it doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying... This is what I would do. I mean, I love Keegan. If anyone's been following no ceilings all year, you understand how big of a Keegan Murray fan I am. I I still think Ivy's the best player on the board. And and I think the Kings could go that (laughs) route, but I think it's going to be Keegan Murray. And um, there's been buzz that Indiana has been trying to trade up and and the Kings said no. So they, at this point, I would be shocked if they're trading that pick. I think they're going to stay put. And, you know, I just have the hunch, you know, that Keegan's going to be picked. I've heard rumblings that, they are prepared to go in that direction, but this is the draft folks and tells all over the place. We could be told something and they know exactly what they want to do. That maybe they've wanted to take Ivy this whole time. And they're like, we don't care. We haven't talked to him or brought him in. We're still taking him. This is the best guy on our board. Uh, Albert, how about you? I have bad news for Knicks nation out there. Uh, don't think the Knicks are trading the four um, as the resident Nick fan with Alex who you guys will see later on the stream as well. I don't think the Knicks are trading up to four. Um, Guys, believe it or not, and this may be shocking to you, but I'm pretty sure the Kings are not interested in the 11th pick in Julius Randle uh, for the fourth pick in the draft. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. 
Maybe it's a hot take, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen, guys. Uh, so the way that things are going, I imagine the Kings probably take Jade and I- Ivy, but I would not be shocked if Keegan goes there too with everything that Rucker said because, look, I, look, we've talked about Keegan so much on our website. People have written about him. I know Rucker wrote about him too, but he is an adult, and I think the Kings are looking to add adults. And we've read reports that the Kings are kind of in a win-now mode. They brought in Mike Brown. They've got Sabonis. They've got Fox. They've got all these guys. And I think they want to win games. And I think adding a guy like Keegan, who a lot of people are kind of – the narrative around him is like, oh, he's boring. He doesn't do – I'm like, hey, boring is good sometimes because boring just means he's good at everything. And he's got a high floor. And also, just because a player has a high floor – doesn't mean they don't have a high ceiling. Uh, that's just not how things work, uh, boys and girls. So uh, I think he's going to be really good and would be a great pick for the Kings. But also, if you grab Ivy there and you just have, like, the most dynamic, most athletic backcourt in the NBA, that sounds fun too, right? So uh, I just want to throw in the most important fact. I highly doubt the Knicks trade to four. Uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just a, a such a hard thing to accomplish, uh, trading up that significantly. Where are we thinking the the fifth pick goes? Because there's a number of directions. You know, it, th- this is not something set in stone. Obviously, if Keegan goes four, I think Ivy is the guy. But if Ivy goes four, is Keegan a hundred percent the guy? Do we have any wild card guys? Is it Johnny Davis? Is it Ben Matherin? Is it somebody else? Is it Shaden Sharp? Who is it, Rucker? Give me who your candidates are for the fifth pick in the draft. I think Matherin's the wild card. Um, I think depending on what direction Sacramento goes, I, I could see Detroit kind of taking who they don't take. So I think it could be some combination of, of Ivy or Murray at four and five. But I do think Matherin's got some serious steam. He's been a guy the last two weeks that – has really been heating up. Um, the reports have been coming out that, you know, he's been shining and, and workouts dominating the interview process. And that's a big deal throughout the pre-draft process. If you're competing and impressing each team, that gets around in a hurry. So I think Matherin's stock is sizzling hot. He's the wild card, in my opinion, at five. I, I really do think Detroit's probably keen on the idea of adding him alongside Cade Cunningham if, if they can't get their hands on Ivy. But... You know, we, we've also heard Murray's got a ton of fans in that front office. So it's going to be interesting. That's why we love the draft, folks. Like, this is this is our reality TV. This is the best part of the entire year. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, this is – and we're the entertainment. Yes. Um, before we get into more, let's take a, a little gander, a little trip over to the chat and shout out some people in the chat uh if you're in the chat if you're watching thank you for being here we hope that you stick with us for all five hours of the nba draft um while you're there make sure that you are hitting that like button smash that thing there's a lot of you in that chat make sure you hit that like button for us and share with your friends because you don't need them watching any other streams you got to be locked in to the no ceilings 2022 nba draft show presented by nba top shot uh shout out to Simon Rath in the chat saying Simon. Tyler with t- Tyler with the clip on tie. Hey, they, this ain't no clip on. This ain't no clip on. You better watch yourself, Simon. You're gonna you're gonna jinx your Atlanta Hawks. I know this. Come on now. Trent Horton says Thunder up. Let's get Thunder, thunder up, up, baby. In here. I love thunder the Thunder up. fans. I love those guys. 
Um, Clip on tie. The Two Pointers podcast says, love the suits. Thank you, boys. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Our guy, William Downs. Where do you think Mark Williams goes? Albert, where's Mark Williams, the big man from Duke, rocking the Duke blue, devil blue suit? Where is he headed? Is he staying in the Carolinas? Is he going earlier? What's going on? Uh, Charlotte sounds good, right? Um, I think they could use a center. I'm sure Charlotte's kind of tired of the whole Plumlee experience, so that'd be a great option. But I, I don't know, guys. How how high is too high for for Mark Williams? I was thinking before when we were talking about the fifth pick. Well, I've seen some stuff on Twitter. Obviously, I'm not saying that any of that is has real traction. But like, what if the Pistons fell in love with Jalen Duran, right? And then if Duran's off the board at five. Once again, I know nothing. I don't work for the Pistons, but let's imagine. Let's dream, okay? And Duran goes five. How high can Williams go? You think he's on the board for, like, the Spurs at nine? The Knicks at 11? I know, uh, Rucker, you've talked about that on your pod with Metcalf, right? The Knicks taking Mark Williams at 11. Uh, Where where do you think he could go? For me, I'd be really happy if he just ended up with the Hornets. I think that's a great fit. But um, there's a real world where he goes higher. What do you think, Corey? I think all of those are realistic destinations. And I, and I like that you snuck in that Jalen Duran is a wild card to go really high because I agree with you. I think he's the yeah. guy that nobody is talking about. He is the guy that I think at 18 years old, when he plays his first NBA game, a guy who, you know, we mentioned it before, he should have just gone to his high school prom, but instead he's getting fitted for the draft. Uh, I think that, you know, I said this, I think in the episode of the draft act that we covered him together, that you're telling me that when NBA front offices and owners get a look at this kid in person and see what a physical marvel he is in person at such a young age, they're not going to just be foaming at the mouth to get a piece of this kid, to lock him up on a, a cheap deal for the next four years and then have him, you know, for seven years, the upside is substantial. I think he's a guy that could go, you know, as early as five, he could go anywhere in that top 10. So if he's off the board, it's very realistic that a team that needs a center is going to go grab Mark Williams, who has insane measurements, seven, two in shoes, seven, seven wingspan, nine foot, nine inch standing reach. I mean, I, he's a, he's an absolute freak of nature. I saw him live twice this year. He's incredibly impactful. He's an intimidator around the rim. What's not to like? You know what his role is going to be in the NBA. Uh, His floor is incredibly high. He has shown that he could fit in with a superstar squad. You know, we might, there's an off chance. I don't know, Rucker, I'm sure you know the betting odds of what all five Dukies going in the first round would be. But there's a chance that he played with five first round picks this year. So uh, I I think that he could go before Charlotte. And maybe Charlotte has got, is going to have to package those picks to move up for Mark Williams. We were thinking wow. they might have the choice of Jalen Duran or Mark Williams. There's a chance they might have to trade up for one of these two guys. Rucker, how are you feeling about Mark Williams? Where do you think he's headed? What are some options that you like? Let's hear it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. I think all those teams we listed, um, I still can't get the idea of San Antonio falling in love with someone like Mark Williams. Um, just because he's reportedly had a good pre-draft process, high character, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. I mean, you could argue he's got a high floor. So Duren is the wild card. I agree with you, Corey. It's it's the guy that we're not getting enough attention to because if he goes early, then all of a sudden it's going to create this, you know, urgency for these teams that are looking for a big. 
that they might have to go up and get Mark Williams. Like, like you're saying, Charlotte might all of a sudden be like, oh, crap, like we, we got to get moving. We got to get up there and, and get our guys. So Mark's going to be a little bit of a wild card. I, I think teams are going to try to go up to get him. Um, that could be picking outside the lottery if he'd fallen, but I, I also could see him going earlier than expected. I think San Antonio's the – it would be a, a big surprise, but that could be where it starts. That could be where yeah. all of a sudden, like – San Antonio, maybe Washington's just out of nowhere, out of box. And then we get to the Knicks. You really never know what's going to happen. All right. Before uh, Albert gets going here, because we're getting close, we're about 10 minutes away from Uh, the start of the draft. Uh, Give me a wild card prediction, Albert. Wild card. Well, I already gave you the Dern one, top five. I don't think that's crazy. Um, obviously we're hearing whispers about, uh, AJ Griffin dropping a little bit would not be surprised by that. I also do wonder guys, like I know Matherin's getting a lot of good feedback and obviously I get it. And I also know that I am the resident Matherin, um, critic, uh, of, of our skeptic yeah. critic. Um, I, I could see a world where Matherin drops a little bit too. I know people love him, but who knows? Like it, it, it all depends on how things shake right and how things happen and uh, there are a lot of different factors where i could see him fall a little bit too but uh mostly the most important thing for me tonight is that some way somehow johnny davis ends up as a new york nick would be absolutely phenomenal for me and i would sleep very happy tonight i love that rucker give me a wild card prediction um i'm gonna say johnny davis is a san antonio spur Mm. damn you that's mm. my wild card, just mm. because Albert wants him to go to the Knicks. I'm going to say Popovich says, nope, here's one more to the Knicks Bastard. faithful. <laughs> Corey, what I, about you? What's your wild card? My wild card prediction? <sighs> my wild card prediction. Uh, I'm going to go tar- – the Tari Eason smoke was just smoke, and I'm going to say that he goes – if Charlotte keeps their picks, I'm going to say he goes with, to one of the Charlotte picks. Nice. I like that. That's a good That's yeah, a good little that's a good wrinkle. One. Yeah, that's good. That's All right, one. fellas, uh, I'm excited. Albert, uh, we will see you again on this stream. Uh, Rucker and I have got to handle a little business before we tip off. So say goodbye. Say you'll, we'll see you soon. Uh, all that good stuff. You're looking fresh. Go freeze some envelopes, and uh, we will <laughs> see you in a little bit, my friend. Sounds good. Later, boys. Later. Good luck. All right. Um, okay. We got some business, as I said, Rucker. Uh, our good friends at NBA Top Shot um, were nice enough to sponsor the stream tonight. And in doing so, they've uh, allowed us to uh, open up some packs. And, yeah, and we're even going to do uh, a fun giveaway. Uh, at the end of the night, in the second round, um, based on, uh, you know, some of the, the the moments that we open. Now, for anybody who's not familiar uh, with NBA Top Shot, I've been using it for, I don't know, I think a year and a half, two years, something like that. I've been a, a, a longtime uh, Top Shot user. It is so much freaking fun. It, like... I've been I've been plowing through Stranger Things with the wife, and uh, I'm feeling nostalgic. And Top Shop, it makes me feel nostalgic. Uh, it, it's it's basically like opening digital trading cards, and the pack rips open. We're gonna show it in a minute, but 
you, you just get that feeling of excitement because you don't know what moments are actually going to be in the pack, but you don't need packs to actually participate in NBA Top Shot. It's a 24-7 marketplace where you can buy and sell individual moments. Uh, you don't need to, to leave or or get a, a MetaMask or, or any complicated stuff. You know, you could use your, your debit card, your credit card to, to purchase. Um, so if you're not yet a Top Shot member, sign up using the link that is pinned at the top of this stream and uh, sign up an account and you will be entered to win a moment that we open up we're going to be opening up three packs throughout the night um and we're about to open our first pack but make sure that you sign up and then while you're there buy a starter pack get in on the fun it's ten dollars uh you can't beat it rucker are we ready to open up a pack yeah i'm, I'm pretty pumped up you know usually this is just a, a new world for me and I'm, I'm excited to get into the top shot madness. So like Corey said to everyone, just sign up. Um, if you guys pa- pay for one of these packs, you'd be helping us all out. You'll be helping top shot out. It's good vibes. Get some good juju before your team picks tonight. So let's yeah, get out there, Corey. That's it. All right, let's do it. We're going to open our 2022 NBA playoff pack. Whew, let's get after Give it. Us something good. Give us something good. All right. Are we ready? Oh, this is dope. Gosh, I feel old opening one of these for the first time. Okay. That's fine. Ooh, little four box, little mystery. The where mystery we box from Family Guy. Let's where go. We, where are we going? We going middle, top, right? Let's what are go. We doing? Let's go. Uh, let's go middle. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the middle. Yeah. All right. Top, gonna... top. There you go. Top, middle. Uh-oh. Oh, of course. Derek, Derek yeah, White. Derek White. You know. Derek White. All right, Rucker. I need what I need from you. Oh, oh, that's oh float yeah. Game. We call that a float game. We call that float. Oh, let's see it again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the screen. Yeah, and a flex. And a and flex. The let's see it one more time. Let's go. Let's go. The close up. Oh come on. We call it that and fun in the business, not and one and fun. It helps. Got to step up there. All right. Yeah. That's uh, what I need from you. I need your comp for Derek White in this draft. Who oh, can gosh, play I a Derek White like role? Early on, first name off the top of my head, uh, Jalen Williams. Okay, maybe Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Yeah, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams. Not one Arkansas. Of our, one Not of our Arkansas. guys. Uh, yeah. What about you? Him. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking a, a little Dyson Daniels. I was going to say Dyson Daniels, and then I thought people were going to jump on me because no Dyson Daniels was the top 10. All right. But look, Derek White is a very good player. He was an yes. integral part in the Celtics, making a run through the finals. He's a connector. He's a big guard. I. Where are we going next? I, I'm feeling top left. Top left. All right. Let's reveal it. Oh, okay. Boy. We got the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, oh. Bobby. Let's see it. Uh-oh. Oh, look at the movement. Oh, yeah. That's a smooth jumper. This is Bulls legend, Bobby Portis. Bulls legend. Yeah. Bulls legend. He's got the scariest Free. eyes you'll ever see the in intensity. the league. The yes. intensity from Bobby Portis is uh, almost second to none. Uh, who do we got? Do we have a Bobby Portis comp tonight? Oh, I don't know about that. Do we? I. You know what? It, he's like a smooth shooting power forward. 
he's not quite EJ Liddell. EJ Liddell, I think I trust a little bit more defensively as a rim protector, but maybe as a guy who could space the floor a little bit. I don't yeah. love it. I don't love it, but there's something there's something there. All right, let's let's head to the bottom here. Let's head to the bottom. I'm digging this beak. Can we just get this on loop the whole time? Does that sound oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's a pool party. Oh yeah. Jordan Poole oh. assist. Hey, hey, Jordan oh. Poole assist. That's got to be rare. That's got to be a rare clip. That's not often. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Left. Warrior fans. I'm still bitter that we lost. Okay. Left hand live That's nice. Dribble. That's nice. Oh, my. Behind the... Ooh, that was Jamal Crawford. All right. I'm going to give you my, my Jordan Poole count. Who's your Jordan Poole, Corey? My guy, Ryan Rollins from yes. Toledo. Yes. Shifty, smooth gets buckets uh ryan rollins who, who do you got who do you got for jordan Poole? i i do think i got i would ryan rollins would be my first probable pick because he's shifty he can light it up in a hurry and he really can get buckets quickly so yeah, right. i like that pick too i don't mean to double down but that's a go. good one you can double down they can right. double right. down baby double Vegas, dip. baby Vegas, double baby dip. all right last one number 307 let's go oh a little rondo Whoa! a little vet action Oh, everybody Ooh. loves a good Rondo layup. Oh, oh, oh. English. Ooh, the English. This isn't necessarily a point guard draft, but do we have anybody at all that that can facilitate like a Rajon Rondo? Maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe some Kennedy Chandler. Maybe that's what I was thinking. I, I was know, thinking some on. Kennedy Chandler. Maybe any Kennedy Chandler plug I can have tonight. I'm there. Just just let me know. Throw the bat signal up. All right. Uh, look. Uh, those are some fire moments. I mean, the, yeah. the the pool, the Derek White, I love it. Um, all right, make sure that you are entering into the No Ceilings Top Shot Moment giveaway that we'll be doing in the second round. You have to be in it to win it, folks. So make sure that you are using the link to sign up in the chat at the end of the night. We will get your usernames in the chat. We will, you know, pick out a winner. Um... This was fun. I am excited to be doing this later on. And uh, Rucker, we are getting dangerously close to to draft time. It's pretty unbelievable. You know, it, it feels like Christmas is here, but it hasn't really hit me yet. That it's like, oh, it's here. It's happening. You know. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling, Corey? Are, are we thinking there's still a chance to get a little bit of a curveball at number one, or do we think it's just Jabari Mania? We're about to find out. I, yeah. I, I'm feeling a curveball. Uh, we are about to welcome in the, the next set of guests. We have uh, our host, Nick Agar Johnson, Tyler Metcalf, uh, Alex from Draft Film School. Guys, Exciting time to be alive. Rucker, say goodbye. I will be saying goodbye as we uh, usher in the new crew and we get this draft started. All right, Rucker, you're out. Nick, Nick, how we feeling? Oh, man, it is always a tough time to be a Sacramento Kings fan. And with all the trade rumors swirling around, I have a feeling that there's a good chance that I might not be feeling so great in about 20 minutes, half an hour or so, but it is draft day, man. I am so excited. We are now live. NBA draft is here. All the work we've been doing since October has been leading up to this, man. It's going to be a great night. All right. I will be back um, probably in about an hour uh, when we get to around the 10th, 11th pick. But for now, Nick, you are taking over. Uh, we are going to welcome in Metcalf and Alex. So 
Good luck. Let's keep the good vibes going. The fun times rolling. Absolutely. All right. So unfortunately I am joined by Tyler Metcalf and fortunately I am joined by Alex over here. So Let's it's go. here. It's NBA draft time. Um, we are just minutes away from the first overall pick currently running a commercial over on ESPN. So we've got a little bit of time to chat through this and the odds on the number one overall pick in Las Vegas have been sliding around like crazy over the last 48 hours. Now there was a news report from Adrian Wojnarowski earlier today that it seems like the signs are in that it's going to be Jabari Smith first overall to the Orlando magic, but those lines moving in Las Vegas have to mean something, right? So guys, I'm going to start with you, Alex. Do you think that this is just locked in as Jabari Smith Jr. at this point, or do you think there is something to just how dramatically the Vegas odds have shifted over the last few days? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell, but you know, Vegas doesn't really get a lot of things wrong. That's why they're still in business and make a ton of money. So you got to think someone over there that's calculating and has the algorithm, you know, thinks there's a chance that Paulo might go number one. Uh, you know, I wrote uh, a case for Paulo to go number one uh, a couple, maybe last month. So I guess someone in Orlando maybe read that. Who knows? Um, but no, I, I think it's exciting to kind of go into the draft, really not knowing who's going to go one, two, or three at the top. You know kind of who the three are, but we don't really know the order yet. You know, Woj tweeted that out yesterday. that He thinks the order is still Jabari, Chet, uh, and Paolo. But, I mean, you never know. You know, there also could be a trade. We don't know if this is just a smokescreen of the Magic trying to get the Rockets to trade up, like a – a Philly and Boston situation with Fultz and Tatum. So it's, it should be an interesting top of the draft. So Metcalf, we talked recently about how maybe the vibes for Paulo going number one is a lot of Dukies betting on Paulo <laughs> Boncaro at the top of the draft. So maybe that's what we're seeing here as ESPN comes back from commercial and the number one pick is about to be on the board here now, Tyler, what are your thoughts on sort of the situation for Orlando here? Do you think there's any chance that there's a trade with Orlando? Do you think there's any chance that there's a trade with the first three picks? There's certainly been a lot of chatter around the Kings potentially trading at four, but what are your thoughts on sort of what we've seen with the odds heading into the draft and what we were seeing from Orlando here at the top of the draft? Yeah, and Woj kind of bursted everyone's bubble this morning with the, you know, this is going to be the top three. And then during the pre the pre draft show, he kind of started walking some of that back. Um, I have all notifications from him turned off now, so we're not spoiling anything. But <laughs> no spoilers you know, here. No spoilers here. But but during the the pre show, he was saying that Paolo is, you know, re emerging as a potential number one pick. Now, is that just for ratings? Is that upper management being like, um, hey, Adrian? People aren't going to watch if it's already given away. So, you know, I love how you're on a first name basis with Woj. Oh, we're we're, we're really tight. We're really tight. Um, So, yeah. And I, I, if if I were Orlando, I would for sure take Chet. um, But then I would even take Paolo over Jabari. Um, Just, you know, you, you never draft that fit when you're in the top three or top four because you just need talent. And Orlando's in the spot where they just have to take the best player available. So if they view Paolo as that guy, then who cares what all of these media reports have said the last two months since they won the lottery, go get your guy, go get the guy who you think is going to elevate your team the most. And based on what he would bring to them immediately and in the long term, I, I do think Paolo would 
be a better option for that than Jabari would. So Tyler, you and I are in agreement with Chet at the top of the draft and Paulo as a better pick for Orlando than Jabari Smith Jr. But Alex, you've been the one on the Paulo number one train all season long. And you mentioned already the article that you wrote about the case for Paulo going number one. So what are your thoughts on sort of the dilemma that the Magic might be facing here at the top between presumably at this point, it looks like the three big men of Paulo, Chet and Jabari Smith Jr.? Yeah, so I have Paulo number one on my board, and I actually think he's the best fit for the Magic and what they need. I wrote about this in my piece, but basically, you know, they were the 29th ranked offense last season. So they desperately need someone that can come in and score the basketball and do it efficiently. You know, they have guys like Cole Anthony who took a step up last year, uh, but I don't really envision him ever driving or leading your offensive charge from a scoring standpoint and doing it efficiently. And I think Paulo, out of the top three guys, has the best chance to to do that. I'm not envisioning Paulo to come in right away and average 20 on efficient basis and the Magic win a bunch of games. But down the line, when you think about the playoffs, you want a guy who you can kind of throw the ball to late in the shot clock and create his own bucket. Doesn't need plays run for him. He can just create his own plays. And I think Paulo has that in him. And not even to mention the playmaking, um, you know, they the Magic have a bunch of guards, but none of them are really pure playmaking guards. You have Cole Anthony. He's more of a scorer. You have Jalen Suggs, who's a decent playmaker, but he's more of a defensive, uh, you know, focused guard. Uh, then you have like RJ Hampton, another quick, fast scoring guard. Markel Fultz is probably their best facilitator at the guard position, but I think Paolo could also help them on that end of the offensive side, really bring, uh, you know, outstanding playmaking, really come in from day one, probably being their best scorer and best playmaker. We are officially on the clock now with the Orlando Magic, but going back to the point that you just made, they did get a lot of playmaking from Franz Wagner this past season, and I think that's definitely a factor in their offense going forward. But certainly, as you mentioned, they would definitely be well off to have someone who can be not only a primary scorer, but also more of a primary playmaker primary ball handler type and Paula Boncara definitely fits that bill better than Jabari Smith Jr. or Chet Holmgren, certainly at this point in their developments. But Metcalf, why don't we throw to you as we are on the countdown here for the Orlando Magic. I know the answer that you're going to give me here, but I feel like I have to ask the question anyway. Do you think there's anyone outside of the three big men that we've discussed who might be in consideration here for Orlando? Do you think there's any chance at all that they take a swing at Jaden Ivey or even a swing at someone like Shaden Sharp here with the number one overall pick? I mean, I guess there's always a chance, but I, I think it would be a ridiculous one. Um, I, after these three guys, for me, there's, there's a pretty steep fall off. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people are really high on Jaden Ivey. I like a lot of what Jaden Ivey does. I don't think he's the best player in this draft. That's not an indictment on him. That's more of praise for how talented these three you know forwards and centers are they're incredibly talented and in terms of what Orlando needs all of them bring at least something to the table that immediately improves their team whether it's Chet's uh, rim protection and ability to spread the floor whether it's Paolo's ability to get his own shot and be the best playmaker on the team and operate from that mid post area or whether it's Jabari's lethal three-point shooting and defensive versatility all three of these are a better option um, and a better talent than anyone else in this draft. So I, if they did go with someone else here with the first overall pick, it would 
really be shocking. Um, but I, I also think it would be, you know, a pretty drastic mistake. All right. The pick is in. So the debate is almost over. We're about to see what is going to happen with the Orlando Magic here. Adam Silver should be heading up to the podium any moment. But if the news from Woj earlier today is correct, it seems like this is going to be Jabari Smith Jr., as we've already touched on. But certainly it will be interesting to see sort of how the draft falls from here. Again, from what Woj said earlier today, it seems like the top three is pretty set. Maybe we'll get some chaos here. Maybe we'll get some chaos with the number two or number three pick. But unfortunately for me, broadcasting here from Sacramento, California, it seems like a lot of the chaos is going to start at number four with the Sacramento Kings. So is it as simple as that pick is going to be Jay Nivey, whether the Kings hang on to it or not? Or is it going to be something where maybe the Kings decide to go with Keegan Murray? And once Adam Silver actually announces the pick, we will, of course, throw back to the Orlando Magic. Alex, why don't you go ahead? What yeah. are your thoughts on sort of the position at four? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's an easy decision, and I would go Jaden Ivey, uh, throw out fit at this point, and just pick the best player. I have Ivey in the same tier as these other top three guys, so I, I think... One second. Adam, Adam Silver is walking up to the podium now, so let's see, let's see what's going on here. Here we go. Nick, make the call. Who's it going to be? Jabari. All right, here we go. Paulo. Wow. Oh, Let's there it is. go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Looks like they did have something right after all here. Well, that, that is really what That's I awesome. expected to happen here. Well, Alex. I'm one Paolo for one. I'm one for one. <laughs> there you go. Paulo was your guy. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Orlando having a bit of a surprise moment here, taking Paulo Boncaro with the number one overall pick? Certainly seemed like the Vegas line anyway was trending that way over the past 24 hours, but it seemed pretty locked in that it was going to be Jabari number one overall. So we're, you know, one pick in and already we've got something that would have been a surprise as recently as two days ago. Alex, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I said coming in, I, it, it was kind of exciting not knowing really who's going to go number one and, uh, you know, made the case for Paulo. I think it's going to be a great fit for him in Orlando. It's going to be exciting yes. to see how he fits along. Franz Wagner, uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, so, like a lot of a lot of good young talent on the team. Uh, I think he's going to bring a lot offensively, and I'm just upset that the uh, Connecticut regulators wouldn't let me bet the NBA <laughs> draft because I would have hammered <laughs> Paulo Bancaro when he was like plus fifteen hundred. Yeah, it's interesting. I still definitely believe in Jalen Suggs in the longer term, but this Orlando team has needed an offensive superstar for quite a while now. And Paulo definitely seems like he could fit that bill. So Metcalf, you weren't quite on the Paulo number one overall train, but as you just mentioned, you thought he made a lot more Smith, uh, a lot more sense rather than Jabari Smith Jr., who we'd previously talked about. So what are your thoughts on this? I guess a little bit surprising choice here with Paulo Boncara, number one overall. I, I love it. I, I, yes, I had Paulo at three on my board, but I love this fit and he's the type of player that should be the best player from this draft. His offensive versatility is insane. I know the outside shooting numbers weren't necessarily quite as efficient as we would want, but I don't think any of us really think it's going to be a long-term issue for him. Uh, he gets into a shot in a bunch of different ways and at his size, I think he's pretty easily the best playmaker in this class. Um, in terms of fit, 
the biggest knock on Paulo is the defensive inconsistencies. And with a guy like Wendell Carter playing with him, I think a lot of those get cleaned up. So in terms of fit, in terms of upside for the Orlando Magic and what this means for their franchise moving forward, I think they finally kind of have that cornerstone superstar um, who can just single-handedly take over their offense and not kill them on defense. Because when he did lock in on defense, um, there was stuff to like. It was just a lot of young kid mistakes and the tendency to kind of go in and out effort-wise. I already mentioned this, but I think he makes a fascinating forward combo with Franz Wagner as well. I think yeah. between the two of them, you know, Franz can take on the tougher defensive assignment, especially you know, as Paolo gets up to speed in terms of NBA defense. And Franz Wagner, I mean, he had that 38-point game last season for the Orlando Magic, and he showed a lot more as a scorer than certainly I anticipated he would heading into that draft. And I was pretty high on Franz Wagner heading into that draft, and even so, he exceeded expectations. So I think it makes a lot of sense to pair him uh, forward with Paulo Banquero. But Alex, what are your thoughts on the Magic sort of front court combination? We've been through their guards in some detail, but what are your thoughts on sort of how, how Paulo fits in with this group before we get to OKC, who's still on the clock right now? Yeah, you have like a good mixture of playmaking and uh, complementary players with Franz and Wendell Carter Jr. in the front court with Paolo. And we haven't even mentioned Jonathan Isaac, uh, who's another great defensive guy that can help probably cover up some of Paolo's, you know, rookie mistakes that he might make. So I really like it on both ends for him. Uh, I, I hope it works out. I think, you know, the Magic would be a pretty exciting young team to watch next year. Um, now I was, you know, looking forward to kind of seeing the Jalen green Paulo combination, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the magic, uh, is, is a good landing spot for him as well. All right. Well, the pick is in for the Oklahoma city thunder. So we should be hearing from Adam silver soon. Now, when I thought that it was going to be Jabari Smith jr. At the top of the draft, I presumed that this pick would be Chet Holmgren for the Oklahoma city thunder Alex, since you were not along, do you think that's going to be the correct choice here with Paulo off the board, given that you had Paulo number one on your board? Yeah, I would go Chet, but I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they go with Jabari. I mean, he would just fit right in seamlessly with, you know, floor spacing, four man for them. Doesn't really need the ball in his hand, so you could, you know, still run your offense through SGA and Giddy. So I think you would provide some floor spacing, but. For me, Chet would be my pick here. He, he could be your defensive anchor. He can run uh, transition with with the young guys on OKC, which they want to do, get up and down the court, and just provide some, uh, again, floor spacing at the five as well. All right. So, Metcalf, what are your thoughts? Given that you had Chet at number one, I presume you're going to say he should be the pick here for OKC, as ESPN is showing Chet looking towards the heavens as the pick is called in. So it seems like we're about to hear Chet Holmgren's name called, but maybe this is a fake out by the ESPN camera crew. Tyler, what are your thoughts here for the Oklahoma City Thunder at two? I, it's got to be Chet. I think he's the best player in this draft. He provides them with – and he's the best rim protector to come out of college probably since Anthony Davis. Um and then I think we're only scratching the surface of what he can do offensively. He took like the fourth mo- or he was like the fourth scoring option at Gonzaga. And I think he's got a lot more to his game than that. I think he's a really good passer. All right, here we go. Here it is. Yep. There we go. Chad Holmgren. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that's is... exactly what go. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, this is what I expected to happen, even though I did not expect Paula to be the pick first overall. 
So yeah, not particularly surprising. And I think the fit makes a ton of sense, but you were saying Metcalf, go ahead, go all the way in on the Chet Holmgren fit to Oklahoma city. No, th- so I'm, this is exactly what Sam Presby has, you know, been doing these last couple years of trying to get these top draft picks. And Chet Holmgren is that exact type of player who can change a franchise. Um, like, like I said, he's an elite rim protector with his verticality, his patience, the way he uses his length. I don't care that he's skinny. He doesn't play like he's some behemoth. Like he knows who he is as a player and he plays to those strengths his ability to kind of use his length to usher guys and then unsuspectingly pin them under the hoop is really impressive. And then offensively, he he's a good ball handler for his size. Not great, um, but I think he's a good shooter. He can take guys off the dribble. He can pass. Um, he can, you know, take over a game if he needs to, but he's more of a facilitator and connector on that end and just a complete change of pace that so few teams have. Yeah, the thing with Chet is I think his defensive fit right away will be very clean. He might have to pay, play power forward more than center early on, but there are fewer and fewer centers who can punish teams by backing guys down anymore anyway. So, you know, even as compared to five years ago, there are going to be fewer people who are going to be able to give Chet trouble in the post. But even those guys, I mean... Chet really competes on that end of the floor. And, you know, it's not like he's just going to take a hit and fly under the basket, right? He's going to try and dig in and hold his position. And especially if he's going to be spending more time at the four starting early on at the NBA level, you know, there are going to be even fewer guys who can push him out of position and that'll allow him to do what he does best, which is, you know, cover a whole lot of ground on the defensive end, pin shots as a weak side shot blocker, you know, cause trouble around the basket. And, you know, on the offensive end with, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy, you know, he's going to maybe not have the ball in his hands as much as, say, Paulo would have if he were in that situation. So, you know, the fact that he still has sort of a burgeoning offensive game, I think, will fit in better with Oklahoma City than maybe some other places. Is that Giannis? What, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Why are we comparing Chet Holmgren to Giannis? I love Chet. He is See, this Giannis. is why I have it on mute. This they're is both skinny. So they're I, they're both I just skinny. see Giannis highlights. They were both oh skinny god. coming in. Oh my god. Yeah. The, the, see, oh. The, the, oh, it's, it's gross because I love Chet. Chet is a completely different player than Giannis. Giannis had one of the most uncommon growth spurts and additions of muscle that we've ever seen. He is a physical freak. He is one of these players in NBA history that we can't replicate. So stop putting him in the pool of people that we compare prospects to he's in that class of kevin durant lebron james michael jordan you know these guys that we cannot replicate so please stop comparing rookies guys who are being drafted to these all-time greats it's it's just ridiculous at this point so what you're saying is we should compare him to draymond green that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing for you (laughs) you're i I hate you so much you're just not helpful (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of how it is. All right, so... All I'm saying is that we better get some Chet Poku minutes in OKC. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Combined total of 74 pounds, Chet Holmgren and Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we're now on the clock with the Houston Rockets, and it seems pretty likely at this point that they're going to go with Jabari Smith Jr., given that he's the one of the three big men at the top of this class that's still on the board any chance that there's a wild card here for Houston, any chance that they go with Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp or maybe even Keegan Murray here? I think it's pretty unlikely personally, but 
Alex, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is just Jabari Smith run to the podium and call it a day? Yeah, I think they they should do that. I think that uh, getting Jabari at three is you know probably best case scenario for them. Uh, but you know, you wouldn't shock me if they you know went for Jay Nivey and just wanted the most dynamic athletic backcourt in the NBA with him and Jalen Green. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, defensively, it would be kind of uh, you know not fun. But it, <laughs> I think I, I think it's going to be Jabari. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if they went Ivy. If they went Shaden Sharp. That would be a little shocking uh, just because I, I don't know. It looks like well, Jabari's on the phone right now talking to someone. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's smiling. probably going to be him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think Jabari is a home run pick for them. I think he's another guy that just will help spread the floor for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of pairs with, like, Alper and Shangun on the defensive end. Um because neither of them are great rim protectors. Um, you know, Jabari's better on the perimeter, obviously, but from an offensive standpoint, I think he's going to fit in seamlessly next to guys who want the ball in their hands, like Jalen Green uh, and, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. All right. Seems like the pick is in, so we should be hearing from the crew any moment. Uh, again, given that we just saw a shot of Jabari Smith on the phone, uh, seems like, you know, odds are good that it's going to be him here uh, Felix in the chat saying that Ivy plus Jalen Green would remind him a lot of Dame and CJ McCollum. That's an interesting comp, I think, if it ends up being Ivy. I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit more athleticism in the Ivy Green combo than the Dame CJ combo, but you know, definitely sort of similar in relying on two kind of combo guards with you know serious offensive gifts and maybe some question marks, certainly on the defensive end, but if the pick is Jabari Smith Jr. here instead of Jaden Ivey as Adam Silver walks up to the podium, Jabari certainly would be more of a defensive piece. Yeah, and I, I, I think Jabari's just a perfect fit alongside those guys, that off-ball shooting. Um, right, there it go. is, Jabari there Smith is. Jr. The pick is in for the Houston Rockets. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Here we, the here we that go. Been, <laughs> moment that I've been dreading for <laughs> more than a month now. Sacramento Kings are on the board with the fourth overall pick. And let's just talk about Jabari before we have to get into the chaos that is about to come. But with Jabari Smith Jr., I mean, you know, again, it seemed like the top three in this draft was pretty clear. But now all three of those players are off the board. So I happen to be one of those people who believes that this draft has a top four rather than a top three. I would include Jaden Ivey in that group. Metcalf, I know you're not with me on that one. So, you know, you can you can hate on that whenever you want. But when we're talking about the Jabari Smith Jr. fit for the Houston Rockets, he right away will provide a huge defensive upgrade for this team that's really struggled on that end of the floor. And then in terms of his offense, he will fit in right away as an elite floor spacer. He's one of the best shooters in this draft, regardless of position, and certainly his ability to you know, take and make those shots from long range will help space out the Houston offense. But Alex, what are your thoughts here on the fit for the Houston Rockets with Jabari Smith Jr.? Yeah, uh, like Metcalf was saying, I think just the off-ball shooting aspect is going to you know help spread the floor for, for Jalen Green driving ability. Uh, I think it can open up his entire kind of offensive arsenal. Um, and from defensive standpoint, this team was in desperate need of you know, versatile defensive options, especially in the front court, uh, you know, playing with a guy like Alper and Shingun, uh, kind of the future, you know, Christian Wood was there last year. Obviously he's no longer there. Uh, you know, 
wasn't the best defender as well for that power forward position. So having Jabari come in, getting some, you know, switchability at the four spot, being able to, you know, do a little bit of like rim protection, but you know, nothing too crazy. But I think just overall a solid player who, you know, has still has some upside is still was, he was 18 years old the whole college basketball season um, and was one of the best players in college basketball. It's rare to find, uh, especially playing in a tough conference like the SEC. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a home run pick at three. Metcalf, your thoughts before we get into the chaos of the Kings at fourth overall. I Yeah, it. Alex summed it up really well. Just that that off-ball shooting alone is going to be such an important outlet for Jalen Green and Sangoon and Kevin Porter Jr. So just offensively, it's super easy with him. And then if he does develop this advanced handle, then we're talking about a guy who's going to be on multiple all-star teams. Um, The entire process, though, all everyone seemed to talk about was the offense. And I'm glad Alex brought up the defense because he might be the best defender in this class, his defensive versatility is insane. The way he gets down in his stance and moves his feet on the perimeter at his size, it's really rare. And the Rockets defense last year was atrocious. It was really bad. And he immediately makes them significantly better from day one. All right. The pick is in for the Kings. That was pretty fast. That was like maybe minute and a half on the clock. So Keegan Murray, they, I mean, they like Keegan Murray a lot. They do like Keegan Murray a lot. I mean, look, I know you were trying to taunt me with that, but in all seriousness, <laughs> I'd be very happy with either Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray here for the Kings. You know, they're obviously very different as prospects, but I think they both would make a lot of sense in Sacramento. They both would dramatically improve the team in different ways. I personally have Jaden Ivey higher on my board, so I would rather that the Kings take him. But, I mean, I have Keegan Murray basically right behind him. So, you know, if it was Keegan, I think it makes a ton of sense for the Kings, and I'm perfectly happy with that pick. If it's someone that isn't one of those two guys, then there might be a sudden internet outage at my house as there are riots going on <laughs> in the city of Sacramento. But, you know, if we don't get to that point, then that would be that would be pretty positive from the Kings fan perspective, at least from my perspective as a Kings fan. Yeah, and as a Knicks fan, I'm a little upset I'm not seeing any Knicks trade-up uh, right now. <laughs> for Jay Nivey, the, one. the night is young the night is young yeah, Alex there's still time true. for the Kings to that's make true. a really stupid trade and if they take Keegan then you know Knicks might trade up to five who knows now that would be interesting and that's sort of where this draft I think starts to take a bit of a turn if I were the Detroit Pistons and the Kings take Keegan Murray at fourth overall then I might run up to the podium even faster than the Kings did <laughs> to go ahead and pick yeah. Jaden Ivey here all right, Adam Silver is walking up to the podium. Uh, I hope I have some heart medication that I can get if necessary. Nick, call it. Who is it? Ivy. There you go. Smart. Come on. Keegan Murray. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Again, perfect. We knew it was one of the two. We knew it was one of the two. Well, we didn't. See, that's the thing about <laughs> being a Kings fan, Alex. You do not know until the pick is officially announced. Uh Wow. Mavka in the chat saying Kings didn't King with a shock face emoji. And yes, I'm with you, but a much happier version of that shock face emoji for me personally. So are we sure they I... didn't though? Really? 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 Well, you d- d- just vent, vent, get your thoughts out there. Yeah. We're talking about your feelings. Really, I don't need to vent. I mean, I feel pretty good about this, you know, Some of you may have read the piece that I co-wrote with Tyler Rucker recently about the Keegan Murray dilemma for the Kings. And 
you know, ultimately the Kings traded away Tyrese Halliburton last season and broke my heart because there were certainly some rumblings that it was because they felt there was a little bit of crowding in the backcourt. So, you know, to make that trade and then immediately take Jaden Ivey, who again is much more of an off ball player than Tyrese Halliburton, you know, the fit makes more sense from that perspective. And Metcalf, you and I have discussed how the fit for Jaden Ivey in Sacramento was a bit underrated throughout this process, but With Keegan, you don't have to do any imagining. The fit is incredibly clean. You know, him and Harrison Barnes, I think, will make an exceptional forward tandem basically right away. You know, two guys who, with Keegan Murray, I believe he's going to be an above-average NBA defender sooner rather than later. You know, both guys can get their shot around the basket. Both guys can get their shot in the mid-range, post up smaller guys, hit shots from three. And Keegan, in particular, showed just dramatic improvement between his first and second years at Iowa and, you know, in the three-point shooting realm as well. So I think he provides much-needed floor spacing for Sacramento. I think he fits in really well in the front court, basically right away. And, you know, I think he's someone who, again, I think will be an above-average NBA defender sooner rather than later, and the Kings have needed defense and defense from the wing and forward spot in particular for a very long time now. So even though I personally would have gone with Jaden Ivey here, I'm perfectly happy with the Kings taking Keegan Murray fourth overall. Yeah, I think I think this is a good pick. Uh, I think it definitely, you know, it, it definitely, it definitely. <laughs> at least no, but at least now you know the the direction of the Kings, right? They're going for it. Yeah. They're yeah. going for the playoffs. Will they make it? Maybe, maybe not. But I think this like solidifies them as like in that playing, um, you know, realm. Uh, you know, going with an older prospect who's kind of more of a plug and play guy. I think Jay Nivey will be good. You know his rookie year probably not as good as Keegan Murray, just given the age curve. And I think Keegan has a more like baseline set of, you know, translatable just ability to bring to the NBA from day one. Uh, I think he's a solid defender. I think the shooting is going to translate immensely. Um, just a guy that doesn't need plays called for him. He just fits within a scheme, uh, both on offense and defense. So I think this is, you know, a good pick for the Kings and, you know, making that trade last year, um, you know, more of a win now move getting, um, uh, uh, wow, I can't even think of his name now, but uh, trading. Yes, yeah, so bonus. Um, I think, you know, that <laughs> that's a good time for Kings fans inspired. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of Kings games, to be honest. Uh, you know, they start at 10 o'clock. I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you. <laughs> but no, I think I think this is a solid pick. All right, so Detroit is on the clock now, and I think we're all in agreement that the pick is almost certainly going to be Jaden Ivey here. But, you know, again, the draft has opened up a bit, at least in my mind, because I thought that the top four included Jaden Ivey with Keegan Murray at fifth for me. So maybe the draft opens up a little bit and the Pistons surprise us here at fifth overall. But, I mean, I think Jaden Ivey alongside Cade Cunningham is just absolutely lethal on the offensive end. And, the defense they could figure out later, but I mean, when you pair those two together, that's going to be such a fun transition attack. So I think there are a whole lot of reasons why it makes a ton of sense for Detroit to go with Jaden Ivey here. They're still on the clock, so maybe they're thinking about it a little bit more than I am. Certainly more than the Kings were thinking about it, given that they made that pick right away. But we'll see what happens with Detroit here as ESPN cuts to a picture of Jaden Ivey with his family. So you know, that's that's a sign. Again, we're not spoiling picks here, but I am watching the ESPN broadcast and seeing the Jaden Ivey shows up. A little bit telling, but hey, we'll see what happens in about a minute and a half as the Detroit Pistons are on the clock. Now, 
Metcalf, do you think there's anyone else that the Pistons might be considering here as the pick is now officially in? I, I think the only other name would be Benedict Matherin. There there had been a lot of ties to him um, coming into tonight, but I, 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 got, I just would be shocked if it wasn't Ivy. Just that pairing with Cade, it makes too much sense. You can play both of them on and off ball, get Ivy those, you know, slowly get those on ball reps uh with the second unit um i i think the upside of that backcourt is just too high to pass on and i think he's just in a different tier of player than benedict matherin um if the kings would have gone iv i think matherin or a trade back uh may have been a little more likely um but yeah i, I that that's the only other name i could even potentially imagine um i gotta imagine it's ivy though yeah, yeah. I'm also interested to see, there must not have been very much for the Kings that was offered for the fourth overall pick, given that, you know, they didn't trade that pick back and maybe try and pick up Keegan Murray later and just get Jaden Ivey off the board at four and, you know, trade his rights to the highest bidder. But we're about to see the pick from Detroit. Again, the pick is in. Adam Silver is about to walk up to the podium. So, prediction, Metcalf, go. Jaden Ivey is that crying at the table. So seems like um, a sign. Seems like a sign, uh, and uh, and a good one. I, I I love these moments where these guys get to realize their dreams. Jaden Ivey, like, there we go. Emotion. It's perfect. I think he yeah. had a blackberry Wonderful. though. That's kind of a red flag. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. I might have saw the phone wrong, but it looked like a blackberry. Unreal, man. This is one of my favorite parts of the night. Just these young men who have put in so much work for yeah. so many years and all of their <laughs> dreams are coming true in this moment. It's wonderful yeah. to see. That's awesome. I love, I love this pick. Yeah. I, I, I was really kind of devastated for Detroit when they fell in the lottery. And I don't think this draft board could have fallen almost any more perfectly for them. Um, obviously getting one of those top three guys would have been great, but a lot of teams had Ivy as their top guy in this draft and pairing someone that athletic, that versatile next to Cade. Um, God, that it it's almost an ideal young backcourt uh, to take into the future. Yeah, Albert right. saying in the chat, which no ceilings member will cry first tonight. I would have put money on myself personally, but the Kings picked Keegan Murray and I'm fine with that. <laughs> so guess, right. guess it's going to be someone else who's the first tiers from the no ceiling crew. It's probably me and Albert now in the hot seat with the Knicks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. All right. Think, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to, the Jaden Ivey and Cade just combo in the backcourt is going to be so fun to watch. You got like a thunder and lightning type of thing going on with Cade as the bruising, you know, guard driver. Jaden Ivey is just super athletic, super fast. Um, I, I can't wait to watch these guys. Metcalf, your thoughts on the Ivy pick? Um, immediate and much needed infusion of just absurd athleticism. Um, the the guy has maybe the quickest first step in the country. Um, really dynamic on and off ball scorer. I love the way he runs off screens. I thought his off ball shooting looked a little and felt a little more reliable than his on ball stuff. Um, you know, in the pre-show he was talking about how much he's been working on his mid-range game and his floater so if that really develops and turns into a tool for him that's going to be huge because that's really the biggest and only question mark with his scoring the way he attacks the rim he's impossible to stop 
Um, and then the playmaking out of those drives and in transition is really incredible. Um, hopefully he can lock in a little more on defense, but just the offensive upside of him and Cade, it's, it's fascinating to see what they'll be in the next couple of years. Metcalf, ESPN just showed your favorite comp of all time, Jay Ivy to John Morant. Your thoughts? Oh, identical. Skinny guys who are <laughs> super athletic, but the, where, where they differ is the playmaking. Uh, ja was averaging, you know, 10, 11 assists in college. Jaden Ivey is a good passer. He's not passing guys open. He's not manipulating defenses. Maybe he develops that and playing with a guy like Cade could be the perfect setting and environment for him to learn how to do, how to do some of those things. But the gravity of that he generates when he attacks the rim, that creates a lot of opportunities for cutters and off-ball shooters. So if he can continue to hone and develop just that simple skill of drive and kick or drive and dump, you know, five, six assists a game is, isn't unreasonable from him at all. All right, so the pick for the Indiana Pacers is in at number six overall. So we are going to swap out No Ceilings crew members. Metcalf and Alex, thank you so much for kicking this off with me. It's been a fun ride. I'm sure I will see both of y'all later on tonight. But yeah, let's move now to the next crew. So we have Nathan Grubel joining me here and Maxwell as well. So Maxwell went with the hat in addition to the suit, which is... You know, I, serious, serious look here for Maxwell. I, th- I thought we were being fancy boys tonight. I, hey, I came hey, here. I got, I got my suit and tie. Oh, there we go. Got there we go. On. I got a blazer on. Calm, there we calm go. down, Maxwell. All right. All right. I'm, I'm a little fired up. I'm excited. Uh, I got, got thrown for a loop with uh, Apollo going number one. And ever since, I've just been a complete mess. So, Yeah. So since you two didn't start off the screen, I'm going to let you give your thoughts quickly on how the first five picks have gone. Certainly, I think the biggest surprise of the night so far has been Paulo Banquero going number one overall. But let's get into that in just a second as Adam Silver is walking up to the podium right now for the Indiana Pacers, sixth overall pick. Who's it going to be? Dyson Daniels, question mark? Dyson Daniels, question mark? I can read lips. It it was Benedict Benedict Mathurin. Mathurin. There you go. Okay. Yeah, well... All right. So that's a little bit of a curveball, I think, but not too far out of the question. I mean, Matherin was in top 10 consideration. I had him a little bit later in the top 10, but, you know, still in that grouping. And in terms of the fit with Indiana, I mean, he right away is going to provide elite off ball shooting and he's been inconsistent on defense, but the peaks for him on the defensive end are really impressive so why don't we start with you, Maxwell? What are your thoughts on the Benedict Matherin fit here for the Indiana Pacers? Yeah, so I, I quite like it. I know that they have Duarte, and I know that Buddy Heald's still there, and Brogdon's still in the mix, even though it sounds like ideally they want to trade him at some point. It, it is a little messy positionally from the word go, um, but I really like it because I think that with Tyrese Halliburton, he's going to have another just real steady primary initiator that's going to allow him to ease in off the ball. And I think that you hope over time he continues to grow into his game. This guy made massive improvements as a pick and roll playmaker from year one of college to year two of college. Um, I think that you hope that he eases into that at the NBA level by year two, he's a little bit more comfortable. And eventually you hope that he gets that to that upside where he can operate out of isolation a little bit more, be a guy that you run more offense through. Uh, he's very athletic. Um, I think it's going to help him to have a guy like Miles Turner behind him. Initially, the tools are great defensively. The effort, not always there. Again, you have to hope that with less responsibility on the offensive end, that's something that he does a better job with out of the gate. Um, but I, I really like it. I think an off ball role for him 
initially is going to be the perfect setting. And a guy like Tyrese Halbert, you couldn't ask for a better guy setting you up. Nathan, your thoughts on Benedict Mathern here to the Indiana Pacers. So we, we make a lot of jokes about some of the, the things that come on ESPN stream and some of the thoughts they give, but what they actually said at the bottom for Benedict Mathern, explosive athlete, versatile score, bingo. That sums it up brilliantly. That's, he's the type of athlete that I think the Indiana Pacers need on the wing, right? Like we talked about Halliburton, how he can set guys up, and Chris Duarte kind of playing on the wing next to him. Those are two more methodical scorers. They're not the athletic type who can go out, get you a bucket in the open court, right? Or really dynamic transition threats, catch and shoot game. You mentioned Halliburton setting guys up. One of the best cutting wings that we have in this draft class. Halliburton's going to love finding him for those baseline lob opportunities. So Matherin, I think, is a great fit with Indiana. I'm actually not surprised by the picnic. This was the guy getting a lot of buzz for Indiana specifically at number six. If the Pistons didn't take him at number five, we know how the drafts played out up to this point. Now Mathern's off the board at number six, leaves a number of interesting guys on the board for Portland at number seven if they keep the pick. But I don't know, guys. Do they keep the pick? Well, that's that's the discussion here. I said a few days ago that I thought that of the picks in the top half of the lottery that were being discussed for a trade, that I thought Portland at number seven was actually more likely to make a trade than Sacramento at number four. And certainly from what we've heard so far, it seems like the Kings are pretty intent on keeping Keegan Murray around, which I'm very happy about. Did not want them to trade that pick. So well, the, again, the I'm perfectly happy with that. Pick, right? they, they, they traded a pick, just not the pick. That's coming okay, up. sure. <laughs> Fine. Yes. You are technically correct. The best and also the worst kind of correct. So <laughs> there you go. So Maxwell, what are your thoughts for Portland here? Do yeah. you think they hold on to the pick? maybe take someone like Dyson Daniels here, or do you think they try to move it? Yeah. I think at this point, it seems to me like they're going to take Dyson Daniels would be my guess. Um, Coming into the day, I thought, especially after they made that Jeremy Grant deal, it seemed like, okay, we are fully back in on win. Now Um, my notion of what Portland was doing, I think after the trade deadline was, we're just going to sort of do a rebuild, but with Damian Lillard here Uh, instead. Now it looks like we're going more back to uh, kind of balancing win now versus build for the future. Um, yeah, I really expected a trade here, uh, to be honest with you. I really thought today at some point we would hear something. It doesn't look like that's the case. I do think if they want to be competitive right now, Dyson Daniels is the guy that makes most sense. I think he's going to step in immediately play good defense. You can immediately trust him to keep the ball moving on offense, make good decisions. He has really good craft to get to the rim. Even if he's not the flashiest ball handler, he gets there. Um, I just think next to guys like Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard too, like that is exactly the kind of player you want out there. Um, so to me, he's he's the pick. But if you do want to go upside, it's tempting to to take a swing on Shade and Sharp at the same time. So it's 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 which one are you going for? Are you going to try and really straddle the line still and do the, both the rebuild and compete and go with Sharp, or do you just kind of push forward and go with Dyson? Well, the pick is in according to ESPN right before they cut to commercials. So it seems like we're going to find out pretty soon which direction. Portland's going here. I totally agree with you on the Dyson Daniels point. I think he provides some desperately needed defensive support in Portland while also being someone who you can rely on as a playmaker with the ball in his hands. You know, when you're talking about Dame, he's not your traditional point guard, quote unquote. And, you know, even though Dyson Daniels is six, eight and a defensive menace, 
you know, he, in terms of the playmaking anyway, I think is a little bit closer to that sort of pure point guard aspect. So on that front, I think he makes a lot of sense with Damian Lillard. You know, he can take the tougher backcourt matchup defensively while also providing playmaking on the offensive end. And the last few games of the G League season, it looked like he'd really turned around his shot a bit from three-point range. So if that continues to be the case for him and he continues to knock down three-pointers at, you know, a decent level, maybe not 40% like he was the last 10 games of the season for the G League night, but, you know, somewhere in the mid-30s, then I think this pick makes a whole lot of sense for Portland, assuming it is Dyson Daniels. But we're back on the broadcast with ESPN, so it looks like we are about to find out the pick. And they're showing a Dyson Daniels screenshot there of Dyson they just Daniels, blew an adorable it. little they kid. Just- so yeah, they just yeah, accidentally seems... flashed a Dyson graphic, which makes me think that that's there where you we're go. Headed. Well, we're about to find out. Maxwell, let's Ooh. use our lip reading skills here. Oh huh? boy, Maxwell's ahead of me. Yeah, me too. It's Shane Sharp. See, there we go. Wow. So, okay. I, I didn't get to so share sh- some thoughts before the pick was made, but my my whole reasoning behind why it could be Shane Sharp. Listen, they brought in dear friend to those ceilings, Mike Schmitz to help run that team, right? They brought in somebody who is anybody else in the scouting world that could possibly take that job more familiar with Shane Sharp than Mike Schmitz. I think ownership was probably fascinated by the idea of bringing in Sharp this whole time. We heard the reports that Damian Lillard was very comfortable with Sharp and his game and how he could evolve, not just in his rookie year, but beyond that. Listen, I I think this fell exactly how I was expecting it to at one point today. I really thought that Sharp was going to go seven. We got some, Ideas probably on who would go eight, but you're talking about the Trailblazers probably want to go BPA, right? And there is a legitimate argument to be made for Shane Sharp for BPA up as high as five when you factor in the upside. I may not be in love with his game immediately right out of the gate in terms of rookie impact, but there's no doubt two, three years down the road. I mean, he he would have been a contention for the number one pick possibly next year. And I know some people may think that's a little crazy with Victor Wembanyama and Sweet Henderson still coming out, but talking about top three consideration at least with some of the other guys getting that kind of talent at seven. I mean, come on, that's excellent value by the Blazers. So I'm actually, I'm happy they, they took the swing on this pick. Well, Nathan, I think it's, I mean, it's he was number noting. one in his high school class. Oh yeah. Sorry, Maxwell, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just saying, I think, I think it's worth noting at the same time, like, you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a thing about Victor and Scoot, but it seems like every year there's guys where it's like, Oh yeah, he's going to be in top five consideration next year. He'll be in top five consideration next year. And, you know, look at where we're going to be talking about Peyton Watson tonight. And look at where we're going to be talking about Patrick Baldwin tonight. It doesn't always pan out for these guys. And sometimes for guys that you don't expect, it really does pan out. So I don't think it's a reach when you say that it's possible he could have been a number one consideration. We don't know. The scary side of this is that, again, what if he's closer to the Peyton Watson side of the spectrum? It is it is a bit of a mystery box. He has very interesting tools. Uh, and, and I'm very just excited to see how it how it pans out. It'll it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. This is a big upside swing by Portland. And, you know, again, there are a lot of reasons to think that it could work out really brilliantly for them. I mean, he does have that superstar upside. But now that New Orleans is on the clock with the eighth overall pick, I think we can make a pretty similar argument for Dyson Daniels that we just made for Portland at seven overalls. So, Nathan, what are your thoughts on the direction New Orleans might go with this pick? So Dyson Daniels is the popular name that came out today in a lot of mock drafts, right? To New Orleans at eight. The the other outside buzz would be that Usman Jang has a possibility of going here. I I think either one would, would be an excellent pick. I think both are upside swings in different ways. We know Dyson Daniels is going to contribute immediately on the defensive end once he comes in. He'll be able to play make, secondary play make it 
keep the ball moving. But the offense, I don't know how dynamic of an offensive player he's going to be out of the gate, right? So in theory, you still bring him into a situation. There's first, second, and third options on the New Orleans Pelicans team already. You can kind of bring the offense along a little slowly, give him some seasoning time. Whereas Usman Jang, I think Jang is ready to at least hit some open shots and be a catch-and-shoot threat and maybe attack some closeouts, similar to what we saw from Zaire Williams for the Memphis Grizzlies this past year. But the defense is not going to be ready, at least at a high level, to what I think he could be down the road because he's just not physically ready to compete on that end of the floor right now. So both of them are upside swings in different ways. If I were New Orleans Pelicans fans, I'd be happy hearing either one of those names. Yeah, so the pick is in, but just quickly, I think our colleague Tyler Metcalf would murder me if I didn't at least mention Johnny Davis here as a possibility for New Orleans Pelicans. But Maxwell, what are your thoughts on the direction New Orleans is going as the pick is now in and we're presumably about to see Adam Silver walk up to the podium? Yeah, I think Dyson is the guy you go with again if you want to be more competitive out of the gate. I think Jeng is an interesting upside swing. I'm very worried about his downside. Like Nathan said, the defensive side of the ball, this is a guy who was getting bullied a lot in the NBL last year. Guys were getting through him at will on him. He commits a lot of fouls around the basket. He gives up a lot of rebounds around the basket. To me, there's just too many more intriguing upside swings still on the board. I'd rather take a stab at a Jalen Duran. I'd rather take a stab at an AJ Griffin, a Malachi Branham, somebody along those lines, just because I feel like their floors are safer than Jeng. And maybe this will prove to be misguided in the long run, and he'll he'll come in and you know make six All Star teams. You know, you never know. Um, but I think for me, if you want to go for an upside swing, I just feel like there's safer and better ones on the board. Jeng is not a crazy athlete. And I know that if your footwork's there and things like that, you don't need to be a crazy athlete, but I, I, I'm just not, there's just so many little things that I feel like need a lot of patching up with him that I, I wouldn't feel comfortable swinging on him this high. I'm with you, Maxwell. I'm slightly lower on Usman Jang, but Nathan, before we get to the pick, your thoughts quickly. I mean, I, I, I don't think Jang's bad defensively. I think a lot of what he does from a technical standpoint is actually okay. I think it's more so there's the physical stuff. The body really needs to come along. And if that's the thought, then, you know, oh, look, it looks like th- we, we can stop talking about Usman Jang's Dyson Daniels, boys. Yeah, there we go. Pigs in. in for Dyson Daniels. So, given that's your man, Maxwell, what are your thoughts here quickly on the Dyson Daniels pick? Uh, super excited about it. I think that um, anytime you have CJ McCollum in a backcourt, you want a good defender next to him. Uh, not to slight CJ McCollum. He's a fantastic offensive player. Uh, but having Dyson back there is only going to help. Uh, and again, even, you know, next to a Brandon Ingram, if you want to give him a lighter load on the defensive end, you know, maybe you toss his assignment over to Dyson, hide Ingram on somebody. Um, and with Zion too, like his defense just hasn't been in the NBA, what it looked like it could be in college, which was exceptional. Um, I don't think it hurts to get another plus defender. And they've got a lot of guys who are really good at creating for themselves on this team. I think just having a guy who creates for others a little bit really opens things up. Uh, this is a team that's really making a push. They wanted to prove design Williamson last year. Hey, look, we're ready. We're moving on up in the world. And now you've just got some nasty, nasty young length of him, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. This is one of my favorite young teams in the NBA. Now I absolutely love this pick. I love this core. I love what the Pelicans are doing. So we will be throwing to a top shot moment giveaway in a little bit. So for any of you who are interested in top shot, our sponsor for today's stream, definitely go ahead and check that out. 
Felix Guo in the chat saying, nice, love the Daniels pick. So sort of in a similar vein to what you were saying, Maxwell, definitely a pick that makes a lot of sense for New Orleans. Nathan, your thoughts on this not being Uzma Jang, as we were right about to discuss before the pick went in. I will, like I said, if I was a Pelicans fan, I'd be happy hearing either one of the names. And Dyson Daniels was the name called. I mean, listen, before the year started for the New Orleans Pelicans, I said that they desperately needed perimeter defense. Thankfully, they found two other young pieces in Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado who can contribute on the perimeter defensively. But Dyson Daniels has an offensive upside that those two do not have. With his size, his line, some of the shot-making ability that he showed, not just on open threes, second half of the G League Ignite season, but some of the pull-up shooting inside the arc as well. You can put him in the pick and roll. Once he gets downhill at his size, the angles he takes, his mastery of how to certain how to score and go to the floater in those situations, I just think how composed he can be in those secondary ball handling situations along with some of the catch-and-shoot stuff. He has an offensive ceiling that some of those other pieces do not have. So you factor in the defense that Maxwell talked about. This is a guy who we know he's going to play right away in his rookie season. I think his impact is going to be felt early on for the Pelicans, even if some of that offense I just talked about isn't there for him yet and comes along more like year two, year three. San Antonio Spurs now on the clock with the ninth overall pick. Last year, they shocked quite a few people by taking Josh Primo with the 12th overall pick. So it'll be interesting to see if the Spurs once again surprise the draft world with their pick here at number nine. But assuming they don't go for a total shocker, Nathan, why don't we start with you? Who do you think the Spurs should be looking at here with the ninth overall pick? I mean, there there's an argument, as you called out the Tyler Metcalf, there is an argument. Take another backcourt player. With Johnny Davis, there's an argument for Jalen Duran. Could they be the surprise team that, that takes Usman Chang? There's a number of different directions they could go. I think with Jakob Pertl potentially out the door, they could find a long-term center of the future. And for all the quips and qualms that we can have about Jalen Duran, his upside is very intriguing and tantalizing. You talk about the switchable big that every NBA team seems to want to be able to find. He showed some playmaking upside out of the short roll, some shot making from the perimeter. And then, obviously, he finishes really well on the inside. He has a 60-plus percent finisher around the basket. So I think the upside and the potential fit of Dern could be too much to pass on, but they, they could surprise me a little bit and take another guard or wing here. Maxwell, your thoughts for the Spurs here? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Nathan. I think I would lean front court. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, last year they did draft Josh Primo, and it's worth noting that someone called their shot about being the Josh Primo of this draft draft class earlier. And are we sure they're not going to take Josh Minot? Oh my God. No, I'm kidding. I, I love Josh Minot, but yeah, I can't reach for him yet. Uh, well, listen, he's, he's going to go there. John Hollinger's board. I guess it's not a swing. It's, John true. Hollinger, it's right? possible. Um, but yeah, I would, I would lean Duran. I would lean Suhan. Um, Suhan's like really the guy that jumps out to me just because he feels so spursy. Like they've had so much luck with like, drafting to see these athletic toolsy guys where the shot isn't all the way there yet and then getting the shot there like that's he's he's sort of inverse Dejounte murray where he just plays the big man <laughs> position but does a lot of the same stuff um i i would really like him here during i think like is more if you're just just looking to fill that five spot uh, but the versatility of suhan is a little more appealing to me uh, but the highest rated guy on my board is johnny davis and i certainly would not fault them if they go in that direction um, but then just from a building standpoint, it gets a little dicey. If you're going to have Murray, you're going to have Primo, you're going to have Davis. And and I understand you want to take the best guy available, but a certain at a certain point, 
it starts to hinder guys' development if they're not getting those reps, if they're not feeling as confident, if they're not feeling as entrusted. Uh, it, it, it just gets messy. So I, I would lean a lot of these guys are in the same tier. So I would lean Suhan personally. I would, I would lean Suhan with you, Maxwell, if Jakob Pertl isn't going to be the front court partner with him because Jakob Pertl is really intimidating on the offensive end. If they found a way to bring in DeAndre Ayton to be the offensive center next to Suhan, then I could really see that pairing work out well because Ayton, I mean, he can, open up the floor a little bit with some of those mid-range shots that he likes to take from the free throw line and then a little bit further out than that, give Sue handsome around the basket opportunities, some easy cutting dunk opportunities. That would be the kind of offensive pairing that I would want to see versus two guys who would be in the front court who aren't really dynamic offensive threats. But I agree with you. I think Sue Han's offense is eventually going to come around. Ronald Sergio in the chat asking, will the crew know if there are any trades, all notifications off at all? We have ways of being informed, by which yes, me and Kevin Black of the Draft Deeper podcast will be letting us know if there are any trades. So we will be informed if there are any moves. But as Felix Guo said in the chat earlier, crazy that we've had no trades yet. Yes. yes. Very strange that we haven't had a trade yet, which maybe means that this is the chance. The Spurs certainly stayed on the clock until the final seconds here before they put the pick in. So maybe there's a move happening there. Again, we don't know. But if there is a move, we will know. Hey, If everybody's gunning for a trade or more or less a surprise, go use that top shot link that's pinned at the top of the comments. Go open up a top shot pack. You'll get a little bit of surprise there with what you might pull. Mm -hmm. I pulled some juicy stuff earlier tonight. So definitely if you want a surprise, go check that out. And you can, you can basically do some wheeling and dealing on there. I, I, my first pack, I had a Grayson Allen in there. I'm in the Chicagoland area. He, He tried to kill our boy, Alex Caruso. So I, I had to put that one on the market, did it. Went and got myself a Jalen Green dunk from the dunk contest. There you go. That's the thing about Grayson yeah. Allen. You can say he tried to kill X about like 10 teams <laughs> in the NBA and it fits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, uh, the marketplace on there is sweet though. It's very, very easy to navigate. I was a little, a little intimidated when I signed up, but very straightforward. The pick has been in it for a while and we are just not, not getting the camera going down to Adam Silver, which is there's there's some some shenanigans we have kevin black saying no trade but are we sure are are we sure there's not some i mean all right i think adam silver i think adam silver pulled up paul pierce he's getting wheeled out to the toilet but now we're now we're back on there's maxwell celebrating why is maxwell stream like two seconds ahead of ours that (laughs) jeremy suhail okay okay all right so i was slightly lower on the board though like, I was slightly lower on Suhan, but Nathan, what are your thoughts since you clearly are all in on the Suhan experience for <laughs> San Antonio here? Listen, my my dream in terms of front court pairing could still be alive. DeAndre Aiden is going to be available on the market. I think that's been made pretty clear by every NBA reporter out there. They find a way to bring him in, and then you have Suhan to sort of cover up some of his potential defensive warts on the perimeter. You get more of the offense. With DeAndre Aiden, you can let Suhan kind of come along a little slower on the offensive end. You still have Sell getting better. You have Primo is going to come in and get better year two. You still have DeJounte Murray there for the time being. But at the end of the day, you want these versatile defenders who can fly around all over the court, make plays, potentially guard one through five down the line. That's what every team's looking for in the playoffs. And if the Spurs want to get back to the playoffs, more comfortable in the situation they've been in for years and years, why not take a guy that can help you get there quicker than possibly some of these other guys, at least on the defensive end? 
All right, so now the Washington Wizards are on the clock with the 10th overall pick, and Tyler Metcalf's nightmare may well come true with Johnny Davis going number 10 here to the Washington Wizards. We over here on the No Ceiling stream will have a switch up coming after the 10th pick, so we will be swapping hosts and guests after a brief break to hear from our sponsor, but let's start with you, Maxwell. What are your thoughts for the Wizards here on the board at 10th overall? Yeah, I, I, Tyler... I am, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. But the thing I've been saying about the Wizards this entire draft cycle is the Wizards just need high ceiling players inside their building, period, point blank. Outside of Bradley Beal, there is just not a whole lot going on as far as guys that you could see making an all-star game at some point. I love Denny Avdia. I think he's one of the best forward defenders in the league. I love where his game is headed. I still don't ever see him as an all-star. Um, I think you just need young talent and Johnny Davis is the highest guy on my board. They have talked about how they feel with Bradley Beal averaging about six assists a game last year. They've talked about having some comfort with him just leading the offense and basically playing de facto point guard. I would just take Johnny Davis, just take the number one guy on the no ceilings board and the top guy left on my board as well. And, and go with it. Uh, he's going to be a dog. He's going to defend from day one. This is a team that's had a lot of defensive issues. He'll take Beal's tougher assignments. Let him cook on offense. He's going to be somebody who gets into the paint for you. He's going to compete every night. Let the jumper develop over time and just see where it goes. I think you take Johnny Davis. You just take the guy with the most potential left. So I think Metcalf, Albert, and Alex would all be very happy if Johnny Davis falls another spot and is on the board for the Knicks. So Nathan, other than Johnny Davis here, who do you think the Wizards might be considering with the 10th overall pick? I think the other plug-and-play target might be A.J. Griffin, right? And I think that Mm -hmm. we're we're all a little bit concerned about his defense, at least coming into the league right away. But there's no question that if you're going to have the ball in Bradley Beal's hands, and he's going to be tasked with not only putting up 25-plus points per game, but also being the guy to get to that six to eight assists per game mark, you need guys who can hit open shots. And they have a bunch of centers who can finish around the basket, but they don't have nearly as many catch-and-shoot threats as we would like them to have. We're all fans of Denny Avdia here at No Ceilings, but he hasn't been a lights-out catch-and-shoot guy. Kyle Kuzma, he's one of the streakiest shooters that we have in the entire NBA. Why not get the guy who's proven that he can shoot 40-plus percent from three-point range across really his career up to this point, right? Like going back to high school, the the UIBL stuff at Duke. He is a proven shooter regardless of the upside that we may agree or disagree that he has on the ball, creating different advantages, getting downhill, no questions about a shooting to me. Why not potentially go get that guy as well? Yeah, I'm totally with you. There might be questions about AJ Griffin's on-ball equity, but the one thing you really can't question is his shooting. I mean, he's been 40 plus percent from three throughout his basketball playing career. And, you know, this is a Wizards team that could definitely use that three-point shooting. I, I agree a hundred percent, but going back to what you guys were talking about, I know Metcalf doesn't want to see it, but Johnny Davis too, man, like, His fit defensively next to Beal, like Beal's not going out there and stopping anybody, right? We know Avdia really made leaps and bounds defensively on that end last year, but do you really want to be throwing him at the other team's best backcourt player every single night? You want him to be able to guard the other team's best wing slash forward. You need somebody in that locker room who's going to want to take on the challenge in the backcourt defensively. And Johnny Davis has that dog in him, man. We've heard some quotes come out. Some of these teams just want to get that dog, that killer in this draft. Johnny Davis is that guy more than arguably anybody else, not named Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. So 
Go, and I think, go get Johnny Davis. I think part of what I love about Johnny Davis too is I think that the way he plays is just so scalable with his just nastiness and hustle. Like this dude was diving on the floor for loose balls constantly left and right. He's going to have no problem coming into a situation where like, Hey, even if your offense isn't clicking immediately, we just need you to take a backseat. We just need you to be the guy that picks up the tough defensive assignments that scraps, that gets the loose balls, that does all the little things. Yeah, have one, no problem one, of, one of the best rebounders in this draft class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a number of talented bigs and forwards, but he's up there with some of the best rebounders in this class. All right, the pick is in for the Wizards, so we should find out at any moment who it's going to be. And then my slot hosting the first 10 picks of this draft is going to wrap up. So thank you so much to everybody who has joined the stream either during our pre-show talk or during the first 10 picks. It's been a wonderful experience for me to get to host this chat with all of y'all. But we're about to find out who the 10th overall pick is. And then we're going to swap out guests and, of course, hosts. So we're about to find out if Johnny Davis is, in fact, going to the Washington Wizards and breaking Tyler Metcalf's heart. Corey is going to be the next host coming up after Nick. Corey, if you're watching this, do not let Metcalf swear on the stream if the Wizards take Johnny Davis. Don't let it happen. Yes. Well, here it is. Okay. Oh, no. um, I can tell by Maxwell's reaction. I hate that yeah, he's so far ahead of us on the stream. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. It's, yeah, it's, Johnny, enough. it's Johnny Davis there to we the go. Wizards. Johnny Davis to the Wizards. So since we've already discussed the Johnny Davis fit here for the Wizards, we are going to transition now into a break for our sponsors. So Maxwell's going to hang around and chat with Corey before we get into picks 11 through 20. But thank you all so much for tuning in and hope you stick around with us for some portion or for all of the night here on the No Ceilings 22 NBA Draft Show. Your boy is back. Your boy's back to to do some top shop and mm-hmm. uh, to talk some some uh, Johnny Davis. Uh, yeah. Which how do you feel I, about the how do you feel about the fit in the pick? Uh, look, I, Johnny is a guy that I'm incredibly high on, so mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it's a great pick. He's not the highest guy left on my personal board, but I think that Johnny is exactly the type of player that you you know, kind of need to bring to your team. He He's a culture setter. He is uh, a guy who's going to play both ends of the floor. I mean, you guys touched on it. He's exactly the type of player I would want if I was uh, building my team. So uh, I, I love the pick for the um, for the Wizards there. And, uh, you know, who knows? Beal replacement? Beal sidekick? Who knows? <laughs> but we have another NBA top shot. 2022 NBA playoff pack to open right now. Uh, let's get after it. We ready let's. here? You ready? I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. All right. Where let's, let's, let's open the pack. I got to get the sound on for this. Build the suspense. There we go. All right. I'm going bottom middle first. Okay, good. I was worried that you were going to be one of those psychos who, who scrolls over all of them first. No, no, no. Okay. A Rudy Gobert. All right. Rudy Gobert. Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Oh, the, was that the game yes. winner? That was the I, that game was. winner. Yeah. All right. Tell that me. That is nice. Tell me who most resembles Rudy Gobert in this draft. I kind of feel like it's Mark Williams, just based on wingspan and, and physical tools. 
And even some of the criticisms, I feel like, are the ones that you hear about Gobert with concerns about him guarding out on the perimeter and things like that. But in terms of just a guy I trust to block shots and grab every lob that you throw, no matter how close it is, that's Mark Williams. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. And, and for everybody watching, make sure that you use the link that is pinned to the top of the chat to sign up for NBA Top Shot, um, to enter yourself in the No Ceilings Top Shot Moment giveaway that we'll be doing uh, in the second round. So get after that. And while you're there, buy a starter pack. You know what I mean? It's 10 bucks. Get in on the action. You can open your own pack. Let us know what you got in the chat. Um, I'm going to go top left here for this next one. Will Barton. Let's see. Oh, a little defense. Transition. There we go. Little defense to offense. Oh, he wanted to put that one down. Who who is the most Will Barton prospect in this class? I'm going to throw that one back to you. I have not thought of any Will Barton comps in this class personally. (laughs) Is there anybody that jumps out to you? Uh, a do. Let's see. Do it all off ball wing. Um, Matherin's kind of close. Maybe Mather, yeah, Mather in a little bit. Uh, that's a tough one. We got to keep it moving, though. Let's do it. Let's do it. Top right, Brooklyn Nets, a steal. Oh, Kyrie. Kyrie. Topical. Topical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The guy is a wizard with the ball in his hands. There's no, I mean, that's pretty. That is. Behind that's the back. nice. Oh, the little Euro opposite foot that's tough i mean is there's no is there a Kyrie in this draft there is Kyrie not is, there is he's a nobody, one of one yeah there's nobody this slippery nobody with that kind of a handle in this class i think what it says more is that the, the guard play in this draft is uh you know a little a little suspect all right it's, last, it's a forward draft yeah all right a Miami three-pointer duncan robinson um okay Another guy oh and one name is- and one this is That's when he was actually sick. playing and when he was actually playing in the game. <laughs> Who's the best shooter in this draft? I kind of feel like it's Young Jung Lee in terms of yeah. just what he does off of movement, um, the variety of shots that he's able to hit. And he's he's like a full-on scorer too. That dude's numbers are on the rim, his mid-range, some of the low posts that like mid-post stuff he worked in to shoot over smaller players late in the season. But just in terms of his his track record of three-point shooting, I'd say him or Tevin Brown is another Ooh. one. If we're just talking movement, knocking him down off screens, that sort of 